As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving, Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitson are with us again today. Laurie, another quiet week? It just keeps turning, <laughs> doesn't it? Listen, that's why we love football, I suppose, and particularly Manchester United. Um, there's always something to talk about, even when they're absolutely rubbish. I thought this was going to be a quiet week, Andy, but um, someone's changed that, haven't they? Yeah, he's from um, Portugal and he once had a bad statue made of him in an airport and he's uh, quite popular around the world. This is Manchester United and the club you can probably best compare it to is Real Madrid. And someone said to me years ago about Real Madrid, they don't care whether the story is good or bad. They just dominate everything. They just plough through everything. As long as everyone's talking about Real Madrid, that's all Real Madrid care about. You might argue that Real Madrid have been quite successful winning trophies as well, whereas Manchester United have not been in the last few years. But Cristiano speaking, speaking so cogently and honestly as he as he has done, it's going to make huge headlines. And I think United fans will be extremely interested in it. All seen through the prism of the negativity of the recent performances. And it would have been a very different conversation if, if uh, performances would have been better. Yes, great. OK, coming up today, like Andy's tease, we will be discussing those comments made by Cristiano Ronaldo in the interview ahead of his expected return to action at Villa Park this weekend for Manchester United. Lots to get through on that. We'll also, of course, preview that game and reflect on the decision of Axel Twanzebi to switch from Birmingham over to Naples in Italy and change his loan move from Aston Villa to Napoli. We'll have a quick update on transfers right at the end as well. Let's start with Cristiano Ronaldo and the interview given to Sky Sports. And we'll begin with the comments that he's made about it being unacceptable that Manchester United are not in the top three in the Premier League. As I told you, Manchester United should be or should win the league or be in second or third. Not, I don't see other position for Manchester United to be honest I don't I don't see in my eyes I don't accept that our mentality be less that to be in the top three in the Premier League in my opinion we are capable to change things now I don't know the specific way 
because I'm a player, I'm not a coach, I'm not the president. I know the way, but as you know, I'm not going to mention here because I think it's not ethic from my part to say that. What I can say and what something that we are in own control, it's, we can do it better. All of us. I don't want to be here in the club to, to fight to be in the sixth place or seventh place or fifth place. Or, you know, I'm, I'm here to try to win, to, to compete. And I think we compete, but we are not yet in our best level. But we have long way to improve. And I believe that if we, we change our mind, we can, we can achieve a big things. Andy, Cristiano Ronaldo's only really saying there what we all think, isn't he? Yeah, there'll be a lot of agreement from Manchester United fans and I think there'll also be a lot of people saying action will speak louder than words. We've had a lot of that this season, not specifically from Cristiano Ronaldo. It's rare when he speaks. When he does speak, I think he's pretty honest. He could easily drop into cliche mode and, and say nothing. I sometimes find with the players who are higher profile, the, the very highest profile ones, they say nothing of interest. And trust me, I've interviewed Lionel Messi many, many times. It's not the easiest person to interview. But Cristiano is, is an exception to that. And I think he speaks with, with pride, with passion. Uh, he comes across as caring about Manchester United. He clearly wanted to speak and get things off his chest. And I think maybe he realises that United fans are divided on him, which they are. We did a, a survey last week on United We Stand. Was bringing Ronaldo back good or bad? And it was 50-50. It really was. And I think between the three of us, we could argue pretty strongly the fours and against. United's coaches were not expecting him to come back. They got offered him. They accepted him. And the, the tactical side of Manchester United's game plan going into the season... I wouldn't say it had to be ripped up, but it had to be adjusted heavily. But then would we be talking about a game against Atletico Madrid and being in the Champions League without Ronaldo? We probably wouldn't have got out of that group stage. He's still been, the statistics have, have still been good. I like to hear from him. I like his honesty. Uh, Cristiano is often about Cristiano. There's a couple of bits where I thought, is he angling to be a manager himself here? Is he saying that he's got the solutions? Is he laying the foundations? But for most United fans, I think action will speak louder than words. Not just on him individually, but but as a collective. And he's being dragged down because the team have been performing so poorly. I guess the, the sort of um, conflicting aspect of Ronaldo, whether he's helping Manchester United or hindering Manchester United, is also sort of embodied in this interview in a sense and some of the comments as well because Laurie whether you think this interview is helpful or not to the greater good he sounds like a Manchester United player doesn't he isn't he isn't this the type of statements on the record that we want United players to be making about the situation they're in that was my immediate reaction and that has been the kind of reaction from my friends who are United supporters you know sort of they've viewed this in a positive way in a sense of this is you know one of the main characters at Manchester United and he's speaking as if it's what we would say you know about the situation now we always ask for honesty in interviews don't we from players so I think we can't really then criticise a, a player for being honest in an interview um, you might as a football person, 
think actually it's better keeping this kind of stuff in house and, and sorting it but maybe he has had those conversations in house and maybe he feels like actually now's the time to perhaps put a little bit out in the public and, and see what the reaction is because clearly you know it isn't settled at Manchester United and he is someone who knows what it is to, to win at Manchester United and we can b- debate the merits of whether he is actually now still of the ability to you know, fully do what he wants to be able to do on a pitch and whether or not ultimately this needs to be some kind of realignment in what his role is. Clearly he scores lots of goals, but equally the pressing game that clearly Ralph Ranić wants or even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer perhaps before him in certain moments wanted wasn't possible. I think the way that, the way that he spoke is very eloquent and he's, he's saying stuff that is very understandable and, and not in a kind of, it didn't seem... Um, domineering to me, it didn't seem um, castigating. It, it it felt kind of communal in a way, even though you know perhaps some of the words were quite stark. I, I think that's what you need, really. It's not a good situation that Manchester United are in, so you can't sugarcoat things, really. You can't give euphemisms when direct words are really what's needed. So I came away from it thinking, good for him. Clearly, it needs to be a, a togetherness behind the scenes as well. It can't be that Cristiano Ronaldo has come out publicly sort of on his own in such strong way and you know everybody else is sort of feeling a bit bruised by it it kind of does need that two-way street to happen um back at Carrington but I think overall where he was coming from and the things he was saying were, were kind of what everyone wants to hear the thing as well Andy um when Ronaldo first came in everyone sort of automatically assumed that the young players would look up to him that he'd lead them that he'd be an example to follow has that happened in your mind or or has something else happened He's suggesting that that's not happening. And when he came in and we all had that five-day high where 99% of United fans were thinking, this is fantastic, he's back, he's still great, where's this come from? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. That's that's well and truly gone. And the, the, the feedback I've got pretty consistently uh, from enough players is that they look up to him. But when people talk about the players or there's discontent or he's lost the dressing room, 25 people do not have the same opinion. I'm sure that there are people who look up to him and think, he's a man I want to be on and off the field. I'm going to follow him really closely. So we heard last year very specific examples of players looking up to Edinson Cavani. But before that, I heard very specific suggestions that players should look up to Edinson Cavani. They should be watching him. So a little bit of chicken and egg. Are they being told to, to follow him, to ape him, to do exactly what he's doing? Are they choosing to do it because they want to do it, because they want to learn from the best, and he has been the best? And Cristiano is pushing back, and it sounds like he's frustrated that people are not coming to him enough. Younger players, he talks about a generational shift. He talks about him knowing because he's a parent himself. And if that's his experience, he's entitled to that view. When he joined, I thought him being in a dressing room, someone who clearly cared about United, won everything at Manchester United, being the best at Manchester United, came through a pretty tricky couple of first years when he came to the club where senior pros were pulling him to one side and saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, or motivating him by setting him challenges. He got better and better and better. He became the best player in the world or the second best player in the world because of that. And if he feels that there's not the take-up from younger players, he's entitled to that view. And he's the he's one who's at, at Carrington every day. We're not there. We're, you know, we're, we're journalists. We're getting information from as many sources as we can, but 
we're not there. And if that's a point of frustration for him, then and he wants to talk about it on the record, I find that really interesting. After this interview and, and what he said, Laurie, he has to play at Villa Park at the weekend now, doesn't he? It's all set up to be a Ronaldo game, but he's got a bit of a niggle. Is he going to be okay? It seems like he's going to be okay. Certainly he has that approach where if he can be on that pitch by hook or by crook, he will be. Um, there was certainly that aspect, wasn't there, ahead of the Newcastle game when he came back and there was that sort of great interview with Wes Brown where he basically said, I've told the manager I'm ready to play. You know, he's not had a, much of a pre-season, <laughs> but he he'd kind of put his hand up and listen, he went and scored two goals that game. Um, so yeah, I think he's a bit of a hit problem, isn't it? That kind of ruled him out of Monday night. And, and I suppose it wasn't a bad moment for him to miss out on a game. It was FA Cup and also allowed Ralph Ranić to kind of explore what the team might look like without Ronaldo. And, you know, because that's been the big debate, hasn't it? You know, it, it is are his goals, you know, papering over the fact that actually with him in the team, it doesn't function quite as well. Well, actually, we saw that still the team wasn't, you know, suddenly this flourish of, of movement and, and synchronicity in attack. So, um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, he clearly, you know, he's played at Villa Park before, as Andy's, you know, touched on. It's a great place to go under the lights. Um, we've had some great memories there as, as fans. Um, so I do, yeah, I, I would expect him to, to play a part. I don't think he wants to miss too many games, um, you know, even if he has still got a little bit of an issue. Right, before we go any further, let's get another snippet then of this Ronaldo interview. And this is Cristiano speaking about the new interim manager, if we can still call him new, Ralph Rangnick. He arrived years five weeks ago. Uh, it changed many things, but uh, he needs time, you know, to put his ideas uh, through the players and in the pitch as well it takes time but I, I believe that he, he that he's going to do it a, a good job we knew it that we don't play the best football as, I, as we, we should do but we have many many games to improve uh, but since he arrived, I think in some points we are better. But as I told you before, he need he need time. It's it, it's not that that easy to change the mentality of players and the way they play, the system, and the culture uh, like that. I still believe that we are capable to do it a good season. We knew it, we knew it that gonna take time uh, to make the ideas of new coach uh, in the pitch. Is not is not that fast, but I'm looking forward that we have to to be professional. We have to work hard. We have to be together uh, as a players uh, to change the page. Uh, we know that we are not in a, in the best moment, but I believe that with the work uh, working hard, we can achieve uh, important things even this year. Uh, he's saying the right things, Andy, isn't he? He's saying the right things, and as Laurie said. I spoke. The fans he spoke to are in agreement with what he's saying. I am. Fans I've spoken to are as well. But I won't say talk is cheap because often players hold back from saying. But he feels like he's got to get something off his chest. If we see anything positive coming from this, then then it will be a good thing. And when when he speaks, people listen. This will be headline news for the next couple of days now. And people may look at it as, as a turning point, but we've just been there a lot of times this year where people have talked a good story. You know, Ollie kept saying the players have been great in training this week and go into the game and then United get battered. So the action will need to be will need to be there as well. Manchester United have been really unconvincing lately. 
even in the games that United have avoided defeat. And that has set the mood among most United fans at the moment. People are really worried. I was worried watching that Villa game the other day, watching the Wolves game at Old Trafford. And if Ronaldo's going to become even better, somehow integrate into the team, I'm sounding doubtful because I don't know what the answer is myself. He says he does know the answer. How's he going to communicate that to the manager? I thought that was really interesting, that aspect of it, Andy, where he said, I know the answer. I don't know if he meant that he knows what Ralph Ranick knows is the answer or whether he was talking about himself personally I know what the answer is and you know he said he said I won't I won't release it cuz it's not ethical um but I'm not the president you know I thought the, the way he speaks is quite funny isn't is it is he not the president well this is it you know that's the <laughs> kind of debate in it you know that's the big question but it reminded me of um it reminded me of when he came out after which it was it the Portsmouth game years ago when he said everything's polemical with me you know and I was like bloody hell polemical in a in a post match interview and clearly he'd, he'd kind of rehearsed it a bit maybe but it was a good 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 net good word to drop in there and, and I, I kind of got that element to it. He's obviously a smart individual, you know, he knows, you know, obviously different languages and he kind of, I think he can read people pretty well from what he was sort of saying there and from what we've spoken to. We've spoken to people before, you know, I've spoken to Nicky Butt about him, for example, when he first came in. And obviously Nicky Butt came off for Ronaldo for his first debut for Man United and Nicky Butt was saying, why am I coming off for this kid? He's never going to amount to anything. And then obviously goes and does a few step overs and goes, sat sat on the bench there in the dugout thinking, okay, maybe <laughs> maybe he's not so bad. And uh, but, they, but they were, as Andy said, they were strong on him. They kicked him in training. You know, they, they were like hard guys to him. He, it wasn't like he came in and they rolled out a red carpet for him. So I think he's now looking at it in that, through that prism reflecting back on, on what the young kids and clearly I don't think he's going to go launching into any tackles on you know whoever Mason Greenwood Marcus Rashford any of the younger players but I think he probably f- from the sounds of it thinks that actually you know he could lend something to them in that kind of hard approach to what it takes to become um, you know an elite footballer it's interesting when he speaks about Ralph Ranić because clearly he wants it to work but it's it's one thing Perhaps saying that it's another thing doing what a manager wants and, and having that harmony there. So it, it will be fascinating to see how it develops. Polemic is a, a word which is used a lot more in Spanish and Portuguese than it is in English. So maybe that is part ah, okay. of the reason. But he's not stupid, as you say. I don't think you get to that level by not being smart. It's not just academically smart. He's a clearly smart footballer, but the way you say to, to read people and... How many languages does he speak fluently? His English is really good. Portuguese, Spanish, Italian. He's a talented guy. It's going to make Villa Park very interesting, that's for sure. Really good ball. Headed home by Scott McTominay. A third-round scorer again. So we have the bizarre little freak of the fixture calendar that we face Aston Villa, of course, once again this weekend, a trip to Villa Park rather than the match at Old Trafford as on Monday. And to preview that match and also to talk about quite a few different factors heading into this game is Greg Evans, the Athletics correspondent for Aston Villa. Greg, thank you for doing this. Um, Have you boys put down your stopwatches after that VAR check the other night, yeah? (laughs) Well, I was sitting next to Laurie at the game and we were kind of looking at each other thinking, what the hell's going on? And Laurie was claiming that Jacob Ramsey had pushed Edison Cavani and I was like, no, he hasn't. What are you on about? And and then, (laughs) like, literally nobody knew what was going on in the press box. But then, to be fair to Laurie, he was right and the decision was given against Villa. Having spoken to a lot of Villa fans this week, Week. I don't think any of them are actually that scared of Man United anymore, purely because of the way that they played. 
they're actually just more scared of the officials and what's going to go against them. Fighting top this. The last time anyone came on and said something like this, Greg, was before the Tottenham game where Manchester United weren't very good either and they ended up beating them 3-0. So I hope you are tempting fate, if that makes sense. Um, in terms of the match then this weekend, like you say, you must feel confident because, you know, the, the sort of accepted opinion really was that Villa were the better team at Old Trafford and now it's at Villa Park. And you've got Philippe Coutinho in your back pocket as well, which Villa fans seem extremely excited about, and Luca Dean to add to that as well. Yeah, I think so. I think that they're just two players that are going to improve the attacking areas of Villa's team for sure. I'm not convinced whether Luca Dean is a better defender than, than Matt Target, but I think what he'll bring um, in terms of his attacking qualities will certainly help Villa score more goals. Philippe Coutinho, look, you know, he's not going to be, probably won't be the player that we last seen in the Premier League when he was with Liverpool. Uh, it seems to have gone off a little bit hasn't he in recent years and, and had some injury concerns and, and, and isn't quite at that top level but look it's a big rebuilding job for Steven Gerrard and, and nobody knows him better than him in the Premier League right now so Villa fans are excited to see what he can do um, and look he's a big name signing isn't he he's still a massive name in, in football it's a massive cliche but new manager bounces uh, are talked about all the time really when a, a new manager comes in mid-season Manchester United haven't had it let's be honest with Ralph Rangnick on He's not had the impact that we expected him to have or hoped he would have. But it seems like with Gerard, he has had that at Villa Park and, and being able to attract someone like Coutinho as well just adds to that, Greg, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly had it in his first couple of games that Villa won the first uh, first two or three games. Um, I can't remember the games have come so fast now, but they've actually <laughs> ended up losing five of the last nine. So, I mean, that bounce that you speak about and almost the honeymoon period he's probably over now but the fact that he's been able to attract a couple of big name players will certainly keep the excitement levels going we had Andy on our um, on our Villa podcast last week and talked about this a little bit and and Andy if you weren't aware the feedback from you coming on was great from the Villa fans they were they were delighted with your um, uh, knowledge of Villa so we spoke a bit about there about Jet, what Gerard was like, what he'll bring, um, and, and, and tried to compare the differences with, with Ranić's start. But look, it hasn't been that great really in terms of the actual results because five five defeats in nine. He's starting to wonder, you know, is is it any better than previously? Can I ask about the you know obviously Stephen Gerrard as a manager at Old Trafford um, for the first time, and and you know he certainly got a, a warm welcome from United fans, the Red Red Army section singing various different songs, something about Denver Bar, and Gerard sort of turning to stare out the Stretford end almost as he was getting this sort of heckles. What what do you think that has done for, you know, the Villa kind of faithful who perhaps obviously want him to be a, a Villa, you know, icon, but equally he's got that Liverpool edge and the Man United aspect to it. Do you think that's um, something that Villa fans are fussed about? Did they like the fact that he was sort of giving it some back to United fans? I think everyone in football did, didn't they? I mean, we, we certainly did. We, we were we were sort of looking at each other thinking, um, he, he's certainly not phased by this at all. And, and he came out after the game, actually, and said that the atmosphere at Old Trafford wasn't quite what he expected. You know, he didn't, he thought that, you know, he's, he's so used to Liverpool Man United games, I presume. So and the atmosphere on, on Monday night wasn't wasn't <laughs> quite up there with, with what those games have previously been like. So look, I think he was playing around a little bit, wasn't he? He was, he was trying to, trying to get a reaction from from the United end after the game. Um, I thought he handled himself really well. I thought he, he enjoyed the moment. He, he kind of embraced it and just thought, but, des- but look, he desperately wanted a result, didn't he? And he, he wanted to walk down that dugout after the game with his head held high and, and Villa into the next round of the FA Cup. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. 
think I think United fans are really looking forward to Villa Park. It's a favourite, as I said on your podcast last week, but it's also, if I'm not mistaken, it'll be the first time that United fans have been there since August 2015 because of a combination of yourselves going down and down and down and COVID, just the timings of it uh, has, has worked against and away following. So that's a positive. The point I wanted to ask you is, Villa came very close to drawing both games at Old Trafford this season, but didn't for very different reasons. Why don't Villa draw matches? <laughs> That's a really good question. And, and, and certainly under Gerrard, they've won four and lost five. Um, I, I think if you ask any manager, Andy, you'll know better than me, you know, with, with your experience of, of dealing with managers over the years. But they all, they, they'll always say to you, if you can get a win, it's much better. A win and a loss is obviously much better than two draws. Of course, you know, everybody knows that. But I, I don't know the answer to that, to be honest. I, I'd love to have a... Um, uh, an answer to give you but I genuinely don't know I mean Villa have been quite close in a few of their games some of the games are, are very fine margins if you look at the the defeats to to the, the, the bigger boys in the division Man City they lost 2-1 that was a game that could have easily been drawn I remember um, Kainu Chukwemeka a, a young player who, who had a great chance very late on in that game and missed um, Villa went to Anfield and lost 1-0 the only Premier League game that Villa haven't scored in um, under Steven Gerrard had a couple of late chances that, that, and they're very very close to getting an equaliser there and, and again had a penalty that that wasn't given when Alison Becker clearly fouled Danny Ings um, running theme here lads and <laughs> um, but yeah they've been very close in games so, so maybe draws will start to follow Let's talk about Axel Twanzebi because in an alternative universe would be saying he's ineligible to face his parent club this weekend but of course he's not because he's playing for Napoli now and not Aston Villa. Greg, in some ways, he's more of a Villa player than a Manchester United player in a first-team sense because he spent so much time on loan at, at the team that you cover. What's the story with him? Why, why did it not work out this time at, at Villa and why is he in Italy now and, and not in Birmingham? I think the managerial change certainly didn't help Twan Zebe. Um, Dean Smith put a lot of time and effort into trying to get him into Villa for a third loan spell. Um you guys, I, I asked my colleagues this, you know, how many players do you know that have gone to um, a temporary club on loan three times and not converted the move into a permanent one? I mean, it's it's almost unheard of, isn't it? First and foremost, you don't see a player going on loan three times. Um, and secondly, they typically do end up going and joining a club permanently if they, if they have that amount of loan spells. But... I don't know, Twanzebi went through a lot with Villa. The first season he came in uh, was under Steve Bruce. It was Bruce who initially put the move together with his United connections. Dean Smith then took over, thought that he liked, liked the player, wanted to bring him in for a second loan spell. Villa obviously got promoted when he was in the team. He did very well for Villa back then, I remember, as a 21, 22-year-old. Um but he was, he was a young player there making his move and, and he moved back to Old Trafford, didn't really get the game time that he wanted. Um, I think he had a couple of injuries, did he, Laurie, that, that, that didn't help him. Um, but then when he came to Villa for a third time and there were so many other clubs interested, you know, the only reason he came to Villa was because he had some, some lasting friendships there already. Dean Smith, he knew as a manager, somebody who believed in him. And it was actually Smith who said, if you come in, You'll play regularly under me. We're going to play three at the back at times. Villa did try that, but poor results dictated a change. And unfortunately, Twan Zebi was the fall guy. And we've got to be honest, when he played for Villa, he wasn't 
great. You know, he, he wasn't wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. And you know, he did for me. He didn't deserve to be playing for Villa. So. Konza and Mings, the two centre-halves who Gerard prefers, um, kept their place. Gerard didn't want to play three at the back. He wanted two at the back and, and, and his favoured two were Konza and Mings. And in the end, Twanzebi ended up playing just eight minutes in eight games for Gerard, and he felt that his short-term future needed to be changed if he wanted to go back to Man United. And look, he'll only have 12 months on his contract when he goes back to Man United. He wants to be in a strong position where he can say, look, I'm ready to play at Man United maybe extend it, extend the deal into the further option that he's got or somebody come and buy me and, and play me regular. He's got a big chance at Napoli. It's a good move for him. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Serie A is a, a league that might offer an opportunity to show him in his best self. You know, Chris Morland's gone there and, and has done well. It's a sort of league that perhaps suits defenders, I suppose. You know, he's all up there in a Serie A title race. You know, it's kind of quite a contrast from a relegation sort of battle, I suppose, with, with Villa. Um, and I don't know if this is too difficult a question, but there was obviously his brother and agent, Dimitri, spoke to ESPN and, and sort of said that he thought maybe the, the kind of rivalry between Liverpool and Man United in Steven Gerrard's mind had played a factor. I don't know, do you think Gerrard would respond to that? Is that something that people are particularly fussed about or has it moved on from that already? Yeah, it's something we might put to, to Steven Gerrard next time we speak to him, actually. It's something that's been playing on my mind. Um, that Those suggestions were put to me from, from Twanzebi's camp as well. Um, it's hard to hard to write and report that until you get it backed up. Hence why I didn't include it in my reportings. In terms of his move to to, to Napoli, Laurie, yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be really exciting for him. He's, he's straight away in a Serie A battle. They've got Barcelona. Napoli are playing Barcelona in the Europa League. Couldn't get a much bigger tie in the Europa League fixture, could you? And look at Samori as well at AC Milan. He's done well, hasn't he? So English players have gone over there. Tammy Abraham's scoring a lot of goals for Roma. English players are going over there and showing that they can do the business there if they get the game time. Brilliant. Greg, it's been fantastic to have you on. And I hope uh, this game goes pretty much like Monday night, to be fair. <laughs> we don't over here in the Midlands, unfortunately, so I can't share that with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on, though. You're Brilliant welcome. to have you on. Thank you. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay then, gents, before we go, it is January, so we should do a, a quick transfer roundup for Manchester United. Lots of talk, as usual, Andy. Um, any truth in anything that you've heard? From the club's perspective, the focus is on the summer. And if any of the summer targets were to become available in January, that's when Manchester United would be likely to move. But I'm seeing United being linked with multiple players every single day. Partly, I suspect, because it drives internet traffic among people who are really into transfers. I pay very little attention to most of them. I take a lot of them with a pinch of salt. I don't know about you, Laurie. Yeah, no, likewise. Um, hearing the same thing about you know United's view on January. Um, I, I still struggle with this, though. That you know, I accept that it's probably not the ideal time, but I feel like too often United have this approach in January of a kind of it's not going to happen. I kind of, I mean, we're in mid-Jan, and there's obviously no, you know, real talks taking place with incomings or or outgoings at the moment. Whereas actually, I'm pretty sure Ralph Ranjit would 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 advocate a a turnover to some degree. You've got so many players there that are kind of, you know, on the fringes and not playing. You know, let's let's cut the cord now if possible. Um, but it seems like United have this approach to January that stems from the very top of it being a difficult window to do business in. So, you know, let's keep things quite reserved. Well, actually, you know, they did sign Bruno Fernandes in January. I mean, it took them all month to do it, but that ended up being quite a decent January transfer. So I don't quite buy into this idea that it's it's too difficult to do business in. Um, and I think we've we've seen, you know, Eric Bailly, for example, linked with the move to AC Milan. Um, I'm told that it's unlikely that he's going to go, but we'll see how that sort of develops. But they're the kind of moves that I think, um, you know, there's obviously players there that, that could that could move. It, it might be late in the window. You know, United seem to, to leave things late in the window, particularly in January. Um, I know we touched on Phil Jones earlier. My understanding was that he was more rested against Aston Villa than he was actually injured. So he, he could well, you know, come back into the team this weekend. Um, but he is equally somebody who perhaps before you know he did so well against wolves would have been somebody that was you know looking for getting more game time basically and i think he appreciates that actually he needs to be you know showing his fitness you know repeatedly for a club to take a punt on him if he was to leave but maybe we look at it in a different light now after the wolves go and think he could still do a job for manchester united in the right moments obviously you wrote that that piece in amanda that was that was really good so um yeah there's lots going on i don't know is there anyone that you've seen in that you think you'd, you'd fancy a bit of or or vice versa no no <laughs> I, i'm like Andy, you know if it happens it happens but this idea of me sort of scouring league earn or uh, anywhere else for that matter for targets for manchester united I, I prefer to sort of leave it to the people it's been very quiet hasn't it like you two have been saying and um, when i was talking i was talking more about united signing players i think the days of bringing andy cole in for a record transfer fee are improbable 
As for players leaving, I think if you're a player, if you're a Juan Mata or you're a Phil Jones and you go to the manager and say, I want to leave because I want to be playing every week, I think that would be far more probable of happening. Would a player who's earning a fortune really, really push for that? And then the interest has got to come from the other clubs as well. So Anthony Martial, for example, has has said that he wants to go, but he earns a huge amount of money and wages will be an obstacle for the vast majority of clubs who would fancy Anthony Martial. We don't know where Newcastle, I think they're like the outlier here. We don't know what they're going to be paying, who they want, because if you look at Newcastle United squad, um, there's probably several Manchester United players who are not getting games who would probably improve that. Although when Laurie and I walked out of St James's Park, we could have turned that statement on his head because <laughs> Manchester United were terrible up there. The only other thing that I'd heard on um, incomings is that Ralph Rangnick, I do think, wants a central midfielder to come in. I think everyone can see that that's an area for, for a number of years that's been crying out for attention. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of names that I've heard, but I, I kind of want to make a few more checks on them before sort of saying it. And but I do, I do think that's something that he would quite like to do in in this month. So you know, there's, there's talks, you know, in the works, I suppose, for that. Okay, great. Keep an eye on The Athletic for the very latest from Laurie on that and indeed all transfer news across January. Don't forget, you can still get that 33% discount. A third off a subscription to The Athletic goes to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod and The Athletic are recording daily transfer shows bringing you exclusive news and insight on any deals during this window. The only place you can hear these podcasts is on The Athletic app or by subscribing to The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Start your free trial today. But for us, for now, that's it. Thank you to Andy. Thank you to Laurie. We'll be back on Monday after Manchester United's next meeting with Aston Villa. And let's see if Ralph Rangnick dares to stare out the halt end. I'm looking forward to that. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. The Athletic.